The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? (laughs) And we are underway. Welcome to the week four edition of the Action Network NFL podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and I'm here with my dude, Stucky, the prime minister of Degenerate Nation, and a current 12 to 4 leader in our little uh, pick'em contest. Stuck, you're out to a big lead. I feel like this happened last year too. But uh, how you feeling? No, I never got this big of a lead, so it's nice. I, I just always had a lead over you, and then you caught me at the end. So it's nice to get a cushion, to make you work harder this year to come back. I did have a good week on on this podcast, but overall, I had a losing week. You took some of the picks that I actually really liked. The, the three the three teams that really killed me this week. We're Baltimore, and I'll get into all these games when I get into some other games later. We're the Ravens, Saints, and the Cowboys. So it's time to bounce back, and we're going to get into some good stuff here, stuff that I think that we're starting to to see some trends on. I, I want to kind of, on that note, talk about something that, you know, we've seen in, as betters, and, and we're kind of noticing, and these are the high the high scores in games, and, and we'll get to the Thursday night game, which is anything but that in just a moment. We'll, of course, get into our Sunday six-pack uh, shortly where we pick our top six sides of the week. But, Stuck, I really want to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, what is the cause of, uh, you know, the, the scoring is up. It's, it's 25.5 a game right now. Uh, plays per game are up, uh, which explains part of it. But, um, you know, is it, is it the lack of penalties being called? I know penalties are down about a, a, a one penalty per game. Or, or what are you seeing out there? Yeah, I looked into this a lot last night. And, like, if you, if you look, yeah, the pace is up a little bit. And if you look across the board, like, home, home teams are, like, 500 against the spread. Road teams are 500 against the spread, obviously. Same with, you know, dogs and favorites and home dogs. And so everything is 500, except the one thing that sticks out so far is the increased pace and scoring, and overs have done well. And some of the overs that haven't hit have been like prayers, a la Monday Night Football with the Ravens and Chiefs. So I looked into it. The pace is up. And I've been saying since the beginning that the environment is more conducive to offense, right? It's easier to communicate, especially on third downs for like road teams. But, you know, these really elite quarterbacks can diagnose what's going on. They can say, you know, the offensive line can communicate easier. You can check the audibles and everyone's on the same page. The other thing, if you look at all the penalties, I went back to 2010, looked at every single penalty type, um, and then looked at the average per game. You know, offsides, offensive pass interference, delay of games, all of these are right in line with where they've been historically. Same with illegal contact, actually. Defensive pass interference, we're at about one, one and a half calls per game. That's the highest it's ever been in the last 10 years. Average is about one. So we're about, about half defensive pass interference more per game. Neutral zone infractions are up a tad. Not statistically significant, but maybe that's because there's no sound. It's easier to draw people off and jump into the neutral zone, which could lead to just a touchdown when a quarterback chucks it down the field. But the most significant penalties so far, the significant differences are false starts. We're at about 1.8 per game. Historically, yeah, you know, we're at about two and a half. So 
So we're at about a half of false start. If you are, and false starts aren't just like, hey, it's just five yards. Like that could kill one drive, right? It's just it's a it could kill your drive, put you behind the sticks, and ends up being a punt. More time comes off, and then holding calls are way down. I mean, since 2010, here's the holdings per game. 2.3, This year, 1.6 holdings per game. And if you go back to last year, this was at the first couple weeks, it was like four or five holds per game. And I think the – and people were complaining about all the holdings. I think the NFL said, like, we got to ease up on the holding. And I think that they might have even said that coming into this year, we need to roll back the holding calls even more. It aligns with everything the NFL wants, right? Points, fantasy, exciting – it's been about an impact of about two and a half points per game on just the, the decrease in penalties on the offensive side of the ball, namely false starts and holdings, and uh, the slight increase in defensive pass interference, which could be random. But the false starts make sense because it's quiet, right? You can hear the snap count. The holdings doesn't really make sense. Maybe there's more communication, you're more positioned, but I think it's that's something like that comes from the league. Like, hey, let's call fewer holding calls leads to more points. So overall, it's about two and a half points per game. If I, if I go and adjust my totals two and a half points per game, I wouldn't have played a bunch of the unders that I did. So yeah, I'm very hesitant to play unders. And it's something that I'm, I'm monitoring here going forward. Is this holding thing a trend? Is the false start thing a trend? Is the no noise really this conducive to offense and how will pace pick up? But it's definitely been an overs game so far this year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great stuff, really, um, for, for doing that research. And, uh, you know, I had seen the same thing. And this is kind of significant to me because, you know, I always thought that one of the kind of hitting ed- hidden edges, excuse me, in betting unders was that the NFL never takes kneel downs out of their, uh, like, the rushing stat. So if you're modeling a game, like, it, you have to remember that, like, there's these, like, extra – it's usually about one and a half plays that really aren't going to do anything. And like now it's like these lack of holdings has kind of offset that and, and, and gone in completely the other direction where now there's almost like this hidden extra potential to score, which, you know, we have so little data on because it really just started happening out of nowhere this year. Uh, and I have started to do it a, a little more aggressively, just kind of um, weight the league average baselines for this year um, in both fantasy and, you know, in, in what I'm doing for betting, the power ratings and all that stuff, because I have as well gotten killed uh, on some unders. And uh, I think that, you know, it's also a situation where, you know, we've seen this plenty of times in in other leagues where like in the NBA, it's notorious for it. Like they do it on purpose, you know, in the biggest games at the biggest moments to try to, you know, get a game to go a certain way. So like these things could start leading to like, you know, more tie games, more, you know, like this, this could be big if this keeps happening because you can't really prove it. So, and I don't think anyone's mad at it. So uh, I think it'll uh, continue. Yeah, and people are like, oh, it's two and a half points per game. That's enormous, especially in the NFL market. Just an enormous amount. And, like, most of your bets in the in NFL and college football, most of them are going to come down to, like, four or five plays, right? You hit a big explosive play. You get a, good, a huge turnover. There's four or five, like, really pivotal points in a game that are going to decide not who wins on times, but decide who covers, right? If you have a couple fewer holding calls – in a game and, and then throw in another pass interference call. That is a massive edge for the offense. And then for totals, I mean, instead of having a holding call and then probably killing your drive, running more clock off, and then you're punting instead, you miss that call and then you're driving and then you score and then you're kicking it off. Like the difference in just those few minutes 
of that entire dynamic of what it does to a total is crazy. Now there could there could be some noise and randomness in here, which is the difficult thing about looking at at you know only three weeks of data, but it's definitely something worth monitoring. Yeah, and I want to repeat that point and highlight that, that what you just mentioned. It's it's that most of the bets that we are making, uh, even as professional bettors and many you know casual bettors, are going to come within that two and a half point space. Like when we say, oh, I see value on on that underdog or I see value on that under or whatever the line may be, there's usually not like three points. And that's something to, you know, really keep in mind. And it's it's usually uh, pertains to key numbers too with totals because now you have, you know, even, you know, people like us, like we're out here making the, the totals and making our totals every week, publishing them. And, you know, that that can be enough to kind of get me to a, a key number that I might have gone like, you know, 42.5 on a number before. And now it's like, I got to go to the 43 because it's just, you just, you have to kind of account for this. And we're, our hands are tied as well because as you said, the sample is so small that you really don't want to go and say, okay, this is the new league average, this is the new normal. But uh, if you don't account for it, uh, I think it could be even more detrimental. So. Uh, I've definitely uh, got a lot more aggressive uh, this past week. I adjusted my totals up a little bit, and then I'm being more gun-shy about betting totals this week and just collecting more data and watching. But, yeah, it's one of the biggest storylines in the NFL so far. All right. You know what is not one of the biggest storylines in the NFL is this Jets-Broncos Thursday night football matchup, but we're still going to cover it. Here, let's get into our Thursday night preview. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. All right. We got Jags, Dolphins last week. Then they give us Jets, Broncos. I mean, I know the stakes were high and they're not calling holding penalties. So how do we get stuck with these two games back to back? Yeah, I'll be I'll be really interested to see. The weather's supposed to be bad in Cleveland for this Yankees game. And then the Brewers without – oh, wait, we're talking about oh, – I, I was talking about what I'm going to be watching tomorrow night. Yeah, I have absolutely no interest in this game. Now, if you grabbed the Jets early before they announced Rippon was a quarterback, great. I wish I would have. It was plus three. I think that they're – at BetMGM right now, they're one-point favorites. The Broncos have been just decimated by injuries. They're on their third starting quarterback now in week four. But I, there's these teams, and the Jets are 0-3 against the spread. And historically, it's actually not been profitable to back uh, 0-3 against the spread teams in week four. It's not like it's a huge edge to fade them. But there are certain teams that are just worthy of not betting. I said this last week, uh, the Jets, for me, until I see a pulse – anything and I hate Adam Gase and I'm not a Sam Darnold truther I think he stinks the offensive line stinks the de- I mean everything about this team stinks but so, so does this current version of the Broncos and Brett Rippon might be the worst quarterback um we, we've seen start in the NFL in quite some time but to me oh thank I mean we might have six or seven baseball playoff games tomorrow thank God uh I won't be touching it but I know you like the Jets and Darnold and Gase good luck Oh, that was, well, I, I got this with the Jets plus three and uh, I wrote it up for our early. Oh, well, there you go. Column on the Action Network. That's why, you know, a lot of the lines. That I'm fine with. That you know, I'm fine with. Right. We get the best value on. It's because we're betting them early in the week. Um, you know, maybe when the Sunday games are still going on even. But there are only so many situations where a bad team is going to get a win. And, and even worse, the wrong team is favored. And, and I just thought 
the Jets at home on a short week going against a, a quarterback that was supposed to be the fourth string, but Blake Bortles isn't ready because it's Thursday night, of course. So they're going with this guy because Jeff Driscoll, that was predictable. Like, couldn't, couldn't score against Tampa. It's, it's a mess. Think about this. The Jets are number 31 in the league in DVOA. The only team worse than them is the Denver Broncos. And, the Denver, and, and like, the Jets have had their starting quarterback all three weeks. The Broncos, like, are still worse than them, and they've had a lot for a week. Like, it's just – like, I want to bet the under in this game, too. But, you know, as we just talked about, shenanigans could go on. You know, I, I think the Jets are getting uh, Crowder back, it looks like. Becton's not going to uh, miss the game either. So, uh, it, you know, it, it's just an uncomfortable under. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if, unless you are able to get the Jets at I, – I actually make them favored, and I, and I had this like that for a while. But, um, yeah, if you can't get them at a picker or better, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch this game. Um, I, the under just makes me uncomfortable because it's at the lowest. It's at like 40, um, 40 and a half. And, you know, you have the key number at 41. You have another at 39. I just, I, I just, it, it's an ugly game. This it, There is one interesting thing about this though. <laughs> Adam Gase, I have like a whole bunch of trends set up in our, in bet labs where it just alerts me when to fade him. And usually I'm expecting so you just like, get an alert every Sunday. Yeah. Like it just blows up my whole phone every, every waking minute, but no, I, I expected to get some kind of ridiculous contrarian alert of why I should bet on Brett Rippon. And instead uh, I was looking at it. Gase off a loss at home with, with a spread of between three and th- uh, three and a half and three and a half plus and minus three and a half. So a close spread is like the only time when you can bet on Gase and and and, uh, and be profitable. He's like seven and five, and I because like I have the same trend set up, but for him, just betting on him to keep losing. Essentially, usually you're kind of going the other way in these situations, but um, betting on him to keep losing with a spread of, of four or more, he's like uh, four and thirteen or something like that. So I uh, just thought that was interesting, but uh, ugly game. A lot better ones to get into. Before we kick things off, two very quick reminders. One, if you plan to bet on the NFL this season and haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got better tools, analysis from myself, Stucky, and the whole Action Network team, and it lets you track every bet that you make for free. And number two, if you want a chance at a free Vegas vacation, don't forget to enter the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. Listeners, we're entering the fourth week of this free Yahoo DFS tournament. We've made it just for you guys, our podcast listeners. Top five each week get a chance to play for a free Vegas vacation valued at over five stacks, courtesy of BetMGM, that's $5,000, courtesy of BetMGM. There are 17 weeks in the NFL season, guys. That means 85 total slots for the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale. 60 of them are still up for grabs. There are great prizes. You've got nothing to lose, and a free Vegas vacation is on the line. Every week, it's a clean slate, so join the fun by clicking on the link in our episode description. All right, now it's time for our coaches pep talk. And this one is easy, stuck. Uh, We're going to go with the pep talk coming to us courtesy of the 2006 film, Little Miss Sunshine. And we're dedicating it to the Jets, to Sam Darnold, to betting on Sam Darnold, and to anyone out there that wasn't scared enough to take the Jets at plus money uh, when they saw that they were 
facing a third, maybe fourth string quarterback of the Denver Broncos. I don't want to be a loser. You're not a loser. Where'd you get the idea you're a loser? You know what a loser is? A real loser is somebody that's so afraid of not winning, they don't even try. Now, you're trying, right? You're not a loser. We're going to have fun tomorrow, right? We can tell them all to go to hell. All right. Let's get off of this game and into something better. It is time for our Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. If you guys are unfamiliar, this is where we each draft our top six favorite spread bets and we score the top one two points, the other is one point, and we also get a point for our total. So a little friendly contest that Stucky is destroying me in 12 to 4 through two weeks. You're having like a revenge season. I'm, I'm going to need you to chill out Three a weeks. bit. Lose some bets, bro. Well, just to set up, before we get into the six-packs, to set up where, how I'm approaching week four, you know, besides being a little hesitant on totals, adjusting them upwards a little bit, keep my eye on those things. I, I'm not I'm not into buying low this week. Some of the teams that you could buy low on 0-3 against the spread, I want no part of. I think you're going to take a part of some of them. I'm all about selling high this week. And let me, you know, if you if you bet on teams that were 3-0 and against the spread in week four since 2003, you'd have gone 24-38-1 against the spread. That's below 39%, miserable, negative 22.6% ROI. Let me just paint a picture for you. I'll take you back to last year. These teams that look so dominant and cover the first three weeks, they're usually not as good as they look through three weeks. Take it back to last year, week four. The Rams, 3-0, undefeated, 3-0 against the spread. The Packers, 3-0, undefeated, 3-0 against the spread. Well, the Rams got blown out by the Bucks at home. They gave up 50. Then the Packers lost on, I think, Monday night to the Eagles. No one gave them a shot in that game. Oh, wait, we have the undefeated Cowboys who covered the first three weeks. They went to New Orleans with Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback, and they lost 12-10. <laughs> uh, and then the, the Chiefs, they were undefeated uh, and undefeated against the spread. They went to Detroit in a game they should have lost and didn't cover. Uh, so they're 0-4 against the spread. If you faded, those teams have looked so good over the first two weeks. That's a teaser for what I'm, how I'm approaching week four. But I have to start for my – two-pointer my first pick of the Sunday six-pack with the New England Patriots there plus seven there at it Kansas is. City for the second week in a row there it is. back to bitter bill bitter bill it feels good this year to just to be able to bet on bill and the Patriots as a dog and these short numbers at home but look Bill Belichick I mean this is almost an auto bet for me Bill Belichick catching points He's 23 and 10 and 2 against the spread as an underdog since 2003. He's 11 and 5 straight up over the past 15 times he's been an underdog. He's covering as an underdog in those 35 games by an average of seven points per game. Absurd. So, you know, you have the Chiefs obviously on a short week here. The Patriots will have the full week to prepare. One of the things I was worried about with the Patriots is David Andrews, their center, went on IR. Joe Thune played excellent at center last week. He filled it admirably. I'm not as worried about the interior of their offensive line now. But again, what happened with the Ra- with the Ravens last week is and this is there's a couple problems with the Ravens in that game. You know, they missed a couple wide open touchdown passes, Andrews dropped one, but the game they they approached the game Lamar Jackson just had a bad game, but they approached the game very poorly from a defensive standpoint. They were just blitzing the house nonstop, which is what they normally do, but you can't do that against Mahomes. 
It made no um, sense. I, I was so surprised yeah. at that. I'm glad you brought that up. Because Especially like, on like third and 14, third and 18. And it's like you're blitzing everybody. It made no sense. And, so, and not only just that, but also because the Chargers, they blitzed like twice the whole game. And they made they made the Chiefs yeah. go to overtime to score 23 on them. And this was so predictable, too. Because like Lamar Jackson also had a terrible game against them last time. It was like a, I think it was like a rare bad game for the Ravens coaching staff more than anything. Yeah, they their staff didn't seem prepared. Was, was, yeah, they weren't aggressive either. But what happens in that game is – it happened the last time that Chiefs played the Ravens. So is the Ravens lost the game script because they were averaging not? I mean, they only they only ran the ball like eight times in the first half. They got too far behind. They abandoned the run. I mean, you can still run all over the Chiefs. They were averaging eight nine yards per carry, and they had to abandon it because they got too far behind. And the script to beat the Chiefs, the Chargers give it to you all the time. You have to run on them because it does one of a million things. It keeps Mahomes on the sideline. You can move the ball on them. They have a good pass rush. They have you know they. Their scheme is catered to stop getting a lead and then stopping the pass and then blitzing you and getting sacks. But if you run the ball, you can control the clock against a defense that, again, is 30th DBI against the run. And then also, you're keeping your defensive line fresh to be able to try to get after Mahomes because you can't blitz everyone. You're going to need, you know, like we saw with the Chargers, you're going to need your defensive ends or your interior guys to make a play, get a sack on Mahomes to kill a drive, right? Like that's, that's how you're going to have to stop them. So I do trust that Belichick here won't blitz the house. He's, he's seen Mahomes a bunch. He has a great secondary. He's going to, I think, throw in some more cover three looks and, you know, in their, in their dime defense, similar to what the Chargers have done against Mahomes. And I think that New England will be able to run all over Kansas City, just like most teams are, and I think New England will stay in it. I'm sure that the Chiefs will probably win this game, but I think New England can keep this competitive throughout by running it. They'll have a really good game plan defensively. Chiefs on a short week, which hurts them and their prep. You know, after they, they had a brilliant – I have to give credit to the Chiefs too. They had a brilliant game plan against the Blitzing Ravens with some of their, their play calls, you know, the, the shovel passes, the screens. I mean, and then obviously Mahomes, you blitz him, he just runs backwards 20 yards and then throws it 70 yards for a touchdown. But their, their game plan was great. So now you're on a short week here preparing for the Patriots. So I just it's give me the seven here. I make it around six with the situation and matchup. But there's a lot of things that I like. I trust Belichick here as a dog. And to him to, him to come with an effective defensive game plan, then I think New England will be able to move the ball on the ground. Yeah, I you know this is probably the most interesting game of the week to me. I'm, at, I'm kind of in line with the market right now. I just when I'm rating these teams – uh, you know, the Chiefs, for me, I think always had a little bit of an edge. You know, even they were right up there with the Ravens for me, even when, you know, the Ravens came out hot because Patrick Mahomes is just the equalizer. And Andy Reid is like an underrated equalizer because Harbaugh is really good as well. Like that whole Ravens coaching staff is really good. You look at any of their, like, against the spread numbers, prime time, Monday night, it's it's up there with Reid. They don't lose very often. So, like – you know, it's a, it's not a great week, I think, for 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 lines. But so I get I get taking the seven uh, points in a game that you know the Chiefs clear. I mean, the, the Patriots clearly have a quarterback uh, that can take advantage of the, of the Chiefs. And the thing about it is that Belichick has the blueprint, which I think will help because you had the Chiefs have to play the the, the Texans, and then they had to play the uh, another quarterback who they didn't prepare for in Herbert because you know they thought Taylor was starting, and then they have to play Jackson. So I think like Cam Newton might run the ball 30 times in this game. I almost want to say that the under could be a good play, but then it's Patrick Mahomes and there's no holding penalty. So 
that's where I am on it. But uh, I, I respect your, I respect the pick because it's, you know, you're, you're taking seven points. It, it can't really go wrong doing that. The, yeah. the chief staff is great, but which, so this short week hurts them for a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously you get less prep. You played in Monday night in Baltimore. You come back, you have to come back to Kansas City. It's Tuesday. And I can tell you that, you know, there are staffs that will start looking at things the week before for their next week opponents. All right. You have some assistants start looking at this. But based on what I saw and based on just common sense, I doubt the Chiefs put in any time for the Patriots last week. That Ravens game was so big to them because it's your main competition for the one seed in the AFC, which means you're the only team who gets a bye. So that win was basically worth two wins in a way because now you have the head-to-head advantage over the Ravens. So, like, I bet they put in everything they had for preparing for the Ravens, and now you're on a short week. So I think that this the situation hurts – you know, the brilliance of that chief staff. You're getting strength on strength. And last week it was strength on strength. I took the chiefs because they were the underdog. They were, they were getting the points. Now the Patriots are getting the points. So um, I can't argue with you there. Cam Newton in his career, actually 33 and 23 against the spread as a dog, Patrick Mahomes, 19 and 12 as a favorite. Uh, it's just a, a lot of these strength on strengths uh, and arrowhead and, and the arrowhead unders in Andy Reed in the Andy Reed era. And I don't know if that will, continue to be a trend or, or not you know it's kind of different with you know different fan situation but uh 33 23 and 159 percent uh, in the read era and then you have new england road unders uh 22 and 11 to the under 67 percent since 2016 uh, i think this te- there's like a history of this team being a little bit overrated in those final brady years and this could be another situation like that not not that they'll be underrated oh, overrated in terms of how good they are but how uh you know how many how like they can bring games to the over just because you know they have cam newton now but uh, they could really try to ground and pound and bill belichick could be in his like clock you know uh killing form and trying to waste clock on punts and all types of stuff so i would actually lean under but yeah i i really hesitate to to go too deep into to unders with uh with, with what's going on for my number one pick, the number two pick in the week four Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And second week in a row, they let me down last week. Uh, just an all-around poor performance. You know, that's what you get sometimes on Thursday, unfortunately. So um, bracing it for another one with the Jets. But uh, I'll continue to take uh, the value in these kind of spots. And I look at the Jaguars and uh, – I see a team that's actually right now anyway, and, and, I, and I know their chart came back to practice. Their center, Linder, uh, I don't believe he has practice yet, which um, is somewhat of an issue, but not as much against this, this Bengals team, I don't think. But, but if you look at the Jags, even with that bad week, uh, this is still one of the top teams in offensive uh, schedule-adjusted efficiency. Gardner Minshew, I talked about him last week. Wasn't the right time, obviously, because he played probably his worst game since the, the you know the quitting years of, of of last the quitting weeks of last year. But uh, Gardner Minshew is already like in the you know middle tier in terms of if you look at all of the you know the efficiency metrics um, since he came into the league. You know he's right around you know 15, 10, 11, 13, 17. Uh, not, not like a Sam Darnold who's like all the way at the bottom. Uh, so he gives them that kind of edge. Both defenses I think are, are kind of shaky, but overall, um, this Jaguars team is just, uh, I think a superior team to this Bengals team that 
for as good as Joe Burrow has, like, you know, he's flashed at times. Like, this team can just go stretches without scoring. And, uh, and they've also converted five of five uh, fourth downs. So even some of their final scores, you know, they shouldn't probably have been in that game yet last week against the Eagles. They probably shouldn't have made it as close as they did against the, uh, the Browns on Thursday night. And you also had this, like, ugly game against the Chargers where, for some reason, the Chargers, you know, that was a Tyra Taylor game. So I'm not buying the Bengals' opponents. I know the, the Jags lost to the Dolphins. But overall, you know, the Jags lost by three to the uh, Titans. We're, we're, we're able to, to stick around and give them a scare. And they also upset the Colts. So I just see this as more two kind of, like, evenly matched bad teams. I'm going back to the well with uh, the quarterback that, at least right now, uh, I think is more efficient. Joe Burrow, I love him, but it's been a struggle. Uh, and, uh, you know, T. Higgins may help, but it's, it's been a real struggle. The offensive line not getting done. Uh, I have no feel there. I mean, if I were to look at anything, I would maybe look at the under. It's really gross because both defenses are awful. Um, but both these teams play really slow, you know, when they're not behind and have to come back to me. You know, the defenses are bad, but if you look at pace, they're, they're I think they're both, both bottom 10. And if you think that this game will be close throughout, you know, you're not going to have one of the teams scrambling. So I would maybe look under. Real quick about that, because I actually bet the over at 44 and a half. And now I actually think it's too high. It's at like 49 and a half. I, I bet the over just because, uh, you know, 45 is a key number. And I had this more in the, in the 47-ish, 48 range. But now it's like 49 and a half, you know, go, going on 50, which I kind of do think is too high for, for those exact mentions. So this is an odd week in which I might end up middling uh, a, a, a total because it's just getting, it's just getting out of hand. Yeah, you got some key numbers that you'll have there uh, as a middle shot. It's interesting to me that some of the matchups with the lowest projected pace, you know, you have the Texans and the Vikings. Neither of them are really fast. You have the Jaguars and Bengals in neutral situations. They're really slow. And then the Seahawks and Dolphins. But all six have really bad defenses. So it's like that's what I kind of have to figure out here. That leads me to my – Second selection, the third overall pick of the Sunday six-pack. I'm rolling with the Miami Dolphins at BetMGM right now. They are plus six and a half. Um, I grabbed some plus seven earlier in the week. The contest, it doesn't matter. Situationally, it's, you know, the Dolphins, I love the Dolphins. I love Gailey. I love Flores. They have extra time to repair coming off of a Thursday night here. And the Seahawks are just, look, the Seahawks could be 0-3. They've gotten every bounce in the world. And Russell Wilson has played perfect football, and they've barely won these games. I mean, even against Atlanta, they go they, – Atlanta goes 0 for 4 on fourth downs. Seattle scores on theirs. They get every fumble. I mean, the turnover luck is extreme. The fourth down luck is extreme. And all the Seattle team does is win one possession games. Last year they won 12 games, including the playoffs. They won one by more than one possession. One, even with Russell Wilson to God. One game by more than one possession. Why? Their defense stinks. Their offensive line stinks, and usually their coaching stinks. Now their defense is all banged up. I don't think Jamal Adams is going to play. They have, I mean, injuries all over their secondary. They're signing practice squad guys. Their first-round draft pick linebacker is out. They still can't get any pressure, any pressure whatsoever. Uh, that's why it's one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Think about the Seahawks right now. They're 3-0. and They've gone over all three games. They're averaging .1 yards per play more than they're giving up. And this is with Russell Wilson completing 80-yard bombs every play. They're giving up 6.8 yards per play. His defense is horrendous and now hurt 
And one of the, the brightest parts of Miami this year has been their offensive line. Their offensive line has been so much better. World's better from last year. So if it's Patrick Wolf time. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. We'll have time to throw against an awful Seattle secondary due to injuries and other factors right now. I'm sure Russell Wilson will get his. Chris Carson, I'm assuming, will play, but he's banged up. But I, I have to take the six and a half here against, you know, and again, if you fade these three no against the spread teams, if you're in the trends, you'd be 38, 24, and one against the spread since 2003. The Seahawks regression is coming, and I'm sure they'll win. I'm sure they'll win by one possession like they do in every single win ever. I'm sure they'll get a fumble late. I'm sure they'll get a personal foul on a, a two-point conversion. I'm sure the Dolphins will miss four extra points, but I still like the Dolphins catching anything over six. I mean, I think me that, Miami, it's magic. I think that was a lot easier than being sure of all those random things. Just say you're sure Russell Wilson's going to throw his seventh touchdown pass of the game. <laughs> this is a game where I normally would kind of look at the under because, you know, it's like Russell Wilson can't possibly keep this up. But now it's just everything's kind of uh, slipped over. And I think, like you said, the Dolphins can actually put up some points. The Seahawks have given up 394 more passing yards than Russell Wilson has thrown for. Uh, they're nearly double the second-place team in the league in air yards allowed on defense. I mean, it is just a, an absolute – this is, like, worse than peak Falcons bad, in term, except they win games. They're like, they're like the bizarro version of the Falcons if, like, Matt Ryan ever, like, took the next step consistently and, and like, they overcame their bad defense. And, like, the, the Seattle coach with that plays all the cover three and is terrible actually won. Like, that would be the Falcons. But, uh, you know, it's the Seahawks. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Seattle, look, Russell Wilson, even if he keeps it up, he's still playing like this, and they're still barely winning. So, I mean, if he has a drop-off, they could lose this game. But, yeah, I mean, Seattle, the first team in NFL history to give up 1,200 passing yards through three games. That is a disgusting act. Yeah, I mean, this is – I literally, I'm not even joking with you. I had to create a new touchdown model because Russell Wilson was just, like, fucking with the way I did sample sizes. Like, I had to, like, completely – revamp everything uh, that it's, it's just a ridiculous thing. Like I, I was for a second, like, you know, I, I figured the penalties were a factor, but I was kind of just thinking Russell Wilson is just the one that's responsible for the increase in scoring in the NFL. Like if you don't have a guy throwing for five touchdowns every game and a defense giving up like 8,000 yards, then maybe you don't get as high of a score. So it should be an interesting one. I, probably the right time to, to fade Seattle, to be honest. I was a week earlier though, Dallas, I, I felt like they really should have got that one done, but uh, they cover that game nine out of a hundred times. Yeah, it happens. Uh, we keep it pushing. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. For the fourth pick in the week four Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Detroit Lions at home. Dogs catching four to the New Orleans Saints. And I, don't, I could not have seen myself betting this early in the season. Uh, generally, the teams that I've been low on have worked out. You know, I had Falcons win total under. Uh, I had Broncos, Jets, that's working great. Uh, Colts, they're two and one. They, they look pretty good. But uh, for the most part, Lions are another one 
they got the win against Arizona. So that killed me in the contest as well. But I am, I want to be ahead of this curve of fading the saints and fading Drew Brees because he's not, he doesn't look right. Even when he's putting up good numbers, it's, it's all coming with, you know, yards after the catch. And he's just lucky to have not only one of the best receivers in the league who's hurt right now, but also one of the best running backs that can do exactly what you need to do so that you can mask your decline. But this Saints team, they've been dominant or elite for pretty much the better part of the last half decade to decade. But they still have these weird years mixed in where they'll go seven and nine inexplicably due to no like real reason other than they had a down year. And I'm looking at this team and that, that kind of looks like that to me. Um, I just don't see this team as you know, truly elite team anymore they're back down to the pack in my power ratings and then lions are another team that i you know i mistakenly faded last week i think uh you know but they're kind of this a very average team themselves especially once they have gaudet healthy and tj hawkinson playing more uh desmond trufant practice and so they're getting healthier they had some terrible injury luck uh i love getting the you know more than a field goal here i just don't have the saints chris raybon driving the matt patricia yeah. bandwagon hey hey i've been all right i've been all right with the with the nfc uh north this year I, I, I told you not to bet the falcons man i told you i told you that's the only thing i'm gonna take solace on for my 12 to 4 defeat but uh yeah hey it you gotta you gotta make the ugly bets sometimes the, the giants have been killing me so Thinking with it, going with the Detroit Lions here. But I really don't think there's as much separation as this line implies. I don't think the Saints are seven points better uh, on a neutral field. Well, I didn't take the – luckily, I didn't take the uh, Falcons last week. I ended up not pulling the trigger because Julio was out. And then I was going to look for a live, good live number, but that never came. I don't disagree. I mean, I actually just put a bet in on this, and I have to adjust. I don't think Michael Thomas is going to play. If he plays, it's obviously important. But it looks like they're going to be really cautious with him. And – you know, Galladay's back. The, the Lions, they only had one, one guy not practice today. Mm-hmm. So they're getting a lot healthier. And the Saints have been torched. Their secondary's been torched three weeks in a row. Something's just a little off with the defense, too. Yeah, and Breeze is, is done. He's cooked. That Green Bay game told me a lot about where that team is. So, yeah, I, I like the Lions yeah. as well. For my third pick and the fifth pick of the Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Vegas Raiders at BetMGM. Right now, the Raiders, the three-point underdogs. And by the way, the team, the other team that I mentioned, you know, fading the 3-0 against the spread teams in week four, that would be fading Seattle, and that would also be fading Green Bay. We'll talk about that that Monday night game on our Sunday podcast, but I did, I took the Falcons plus seven and a half. It's an awful line. I, I expected to go to six and a half. Um, but there's also a bunch of 3-0 and teams that I'm looking to fade. You have Tennessee. There's just so much uncertainty when that game's going to be played. But they have so many injuries on defense. They can't get pressure. And now their offensive line is hurt going up against that Pittsburgh defensive front. Really bad situation for Tennessee. I know Pittsburgh's 3-0 as well. Then you have the Bears, who are just a complete fraud 3-0. 3-0 against three winless teams, all in miraculous fashion, all by four points. The Titans are 3-0 by wins by six points. They get outgained and outplayed every game, and they win somehow. So – you know, I do want to kind of fade, might find a way to fade the Bears, but the line is looks about right to me is the problem. Maybe I'll look for a live spot on the Colts or, or maybe I'll money line them with the Rams. But the team I do want to fade here is the Bills. Minus three. They're 3-0 and at Vegas. Look, the Josh Allen has looked great. I love the play calling the Bills. They're being much more aggressive. But they beat the Jets. 
They beat the Dolphins early in the year and in a really close game. And then, you know, they beat the Rams in a game that they probably should have lost after being up 28-3. And I had them, minus two and a half. And they got a, a really questionable P.I. call late on fourth and ten. So their defense, you know, we know that they can they can defend the pass, but the defense against the run, it's still really, really bad. 26 in the NFL in rush defense, DVOA, and they're 24th in adjusted line yards, 26th in second-level rank. These are the things that we saw last year. And now they're going to go up against, you know, Jacobs and one of the better offensive lines in the NFL, even with some of the injuries. So I think the Raiders will be able to protect Carr. They'll be able to move the ball on the ground. Number one, the most important thing is I make this line close to, you know, closer to a pick. It's, I think I have the Bills minus .8 here. I just think that they're being completely overvalued after, you know, a good 3-0 and start, but two of the games, who cares? And last week they really should have lost. And, and blowing that 28-3 lead is pretty concerning to me. You might get some bad Josh Allen plays, which are, you can always get here. But give me the Raiders catching three as a home dog here. Um, I think their offensive line really controls this game. They control the clock and move the ball. Sure, Allen will make some plays against his really bad Vegas defense that, you know, really still struggles in the secondary. But I'm I, I'm counting on him making a few mistakes too. I think the Raiders win this game. Ooh, I'm not I'm not there. Um, I actually took the Bills minus two and a half because I figured that would get to three. Listen, I I actually think it's it, it's going to be time to fade the Bills at some point pretty soon. I just don't know if it's this week because the Raiders have their own issues. Like Ruggs looks like he's might not be back. Uh, Brian Edwards, their other receiver, he's also. Looks like they're not playing. And remember, Buffalo and Buffalo, you know, they're banged up too. I think is Micah Hyde going to play this week? He's he's out, right? Or is he? Yeah, well, yeah. I, they haven't they haven't they haven't confirmed, but he might not play. Right. So like that would that would be a blow because we saw what happens when you can shut down Waller and Buffalo has tended to be excellent against tight ends. Uh, but you know, Sean McDermott, uh, Matthew Friedman actually pointed this out in, in his trends piece that um, usually these spots you feel like you should fade a team, but Sean McDermott actually. Uh, 13 and seven against the spread going across the country in these spots. Uh, I, I have the bills as a, as a three and a half point favorite. Uh, this Raiders team on defense just doesn't have enough for me with, you know, I, they have the offensive line, but it's still Derek Carr for me. And it's still uh, a banged up receiving core that um, can kind of let you focus in too much on their best guys. And we've even seen that with Jacobs in, in the run game. Uh, they're actually uh, not, ranking they're, they're in the bottom uh, I believe they're 27th in, in success rate uh, on early downs with the run game which is really surprising for this Raiders team that you think is going to be um, you know su- superb in that in that facet so just kind of uh, more red flags to me with the Raiders um, but uh, I also just you know I was on the other side of the number at two and a half if you know now I wouldn't take it uh, you know way the three or three and a half so uh, it was more of a value play but uh We'll see if that. Uh, we'll see yeah, that no, the injuries are a great point. It's something. It's something I'm monitoring for sure with the receivers, the secondary, the offensive line. You know, if they don't have Edwards and Rugs, I definitely don't love it as much as I did before. We're not even finished with all six picks uh, in the six pack, and you and I have combined to take three of the four bottom four defenses in DVOA: the Dolphins. Uh, Raiders and Jaguars. Just, just wanted to point that one out. So uh, <laughs> this may not end well. This may not end well. 
keeping it going. And for my final pick in the week four Sunday six pack, I mean, this is, I'm really out of character. I mean, well, I didn't bet it. I didn't bet on Denver, but aside from that, I'm pretty out of character. Going with another team that I rarely bet. Both of us, I think we're pretty low on this team coming into the season, but I'm looking at this number and the more I think about it, the more it, it is kind of a little bit out of whack. And that's the Eagles plus seven on Sunday night football. Listen, it was inexcusable, like how they played in that Bengals game. You know, the Bengals got a lot of luck, but there's no way you, you let a team into that spot when you're the veteran team, you're the team that won a Super Bowl, you're the team that needs to avoid the 0-3 start because you don't really – you don't come back from – even if, you, you know, you tie, like it's – you're still winless. So, I mean, you're really counting on, like, this NFC East being a, a complete and total disaster, and it has been thus far. So maybe the Eagles have a shot. Either way, going to San Fran – no one gives them a shot. I think you mentioned it earlier in the, in the pod. Like the Eagles won a game in primetime that no one gave them a shot in last year. Uh, like this – and the Niners have just exceeded all expectations without, without uh, Garoppolo, without half their team. And I, I, I made that mistake of betting against them. And uh, I'm still going back to the well here because uh, I have this number, you know, more toward four and a half, five in that dead zone. They're getting seven. I've even seen a seven, you know, above seven at some books. The number's just too high because of the recency bias uh, of all that happened. Eagles have got had terrible turnover luck. Um, they're not, you know, Carson Wentz can't just throw like four interceptions every single game. You know, he's a solid quarterback. If you just take out okay. some of those, I mean, he can, you know, but like this is, the Eagles are getting closer, you know. They lost, they lost week one to the football team. They get blown out week two, but they tied last week, you know. Naturally, next step in the progression is at least a cover. We might not get a win till they play another NFC East team. But uh, I think they can cover this spot. And, and like the Niners, listen, I, you know, I'll be the first to say it. Like, had the uh, Giants overrated, they are a complete mess without Saquon Barkley. And, and Daniel Jones really hasn't taken a step forward in protecting the football. And, uh, you know, the Jets obviously have their issues. So, the Niners looked impressive. They got two wins on the other side of the country. Now no one's going to touch him going back with the Eagles going across country winless. Uh, this, is, this is a spot where I, the number's out of whack, but I also think the public is just um, going to completely be hands off. So I, I, love, I love the value here. Yeah, I got to look to see who's playing for all these teams. I mean, but Wentz has been that bad. I mean, you can't even – the offensive line has been a mess. You can't even blame them. He's been the worst quarterback in the NFL with a clean pocket. I mean, the craziest stat that came out this week is if Russell Wilson, his next 45 passes, he threw 45 interceptions, he'd still have a higher quarterback rating than Carson Wentz. I mean, it's bad. And then you say, okay, Goddard, one of his two safety blankets of tight end, is out. And his top two receivers this week might be, what, Greg Ward and uh, John Hightower? That's what it's looking like. So, uh, well, well Hightower's, I mean, Hightower's actually got some promise. Yo, all right, here's the thing with the Eagles. Like, they might have already hit rock bottom because, number one, like, it just doesn't make sense in this league to play, like, that much too tight end. But, number two, they were playing J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in so many of those spots where now, like, they've moved on from that. But Jeffrey and Jackson are also uh, – Jackson didn't practice. Jeffrey did. It's a, it's a shit show. But, um, yeah, just, just wanted to point Well, out. I think I'd rather have John Hightower than Jeffrey. Um, oh, I, I agree. I, and I then think the, de the, the defense – the Eagles are still good against the run, and your defensive line should compete up front. But – is Kittle healthy? Covering tight ends is going to be a major issue for the Eagles. Uh, I don't mind if he can get seven or more. It's a great uh, spot. I just – is can Wentz do anything right? It's like the opposite of uh, of 
everything I stand for because I hate the, you know these kind of teams. I've avoided the Falcons uh, thus far, but it, it just to me it just sets up as such a great spot because the the Forty Nine ers just played two of the worst teams in football and the Jets and Giants, and it just creates all these betting opportunities. Like you now you can bet that you could get the Jets as a, as a three point dog, not even a not even just like a one point dog. Like they were a, a legitimate three point home underdog to Brett Rippon. Like I'll take that bet a hundred times out of a hundred. Now a game that I have you know, closer to, to a different key number uh, is, is available on the market, you know, well into, into Wednesday, Thursday. So it, it just created a, a great, a bunch of great betting opportunities with the Niners getting these uh, blowout wins. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to take advantage of it, see how it goes. But uh, that, that's the Sunday six pack for week four stuck went with the new England Patriots plus seven against the Kansas city chiefs, the dolphins plus six and a half against the Seattle Seahawks and Vegas Raiders at home, giving up three to the Buffalo Bills. I went with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cincinnati Bengals getting three points. The Lions plus four at home against the Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night football plus seven against the 49ers. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Now let's get into our favorite total bet of the week. So I did say I was not going to go too aggressively on unders, but I am betting under, or I'm picking one for this, uh, for this contest. And there were two I was kind of torn between. Uh, and there's also an over that I like, but uh, I ended up going with Cardinals uh, at Panthers under because you know, this is at uh, 52 and a half at BetMGM. 51 and a half at a lot of other books, but you know, 51 is a key number. And I think that this is too many points for a uh, Panthers team that like the spread is close and it could certainly be a close game, but if it is, I actually don't think it'll be of the variety of like shootout, you know, Panthers surprise everyone and score more points than we think. I think it'll be the Cardinals offense being a little shaky again, like they were, uh, you know, against Detroit and, and the Cardinals really haven't had one of these high scoring games and they've played, you know, they played the, the bad football team. It was a 30, 15 game. They played the Niners when they got banged up 24, 20, and then they go under against the Lions. So this is not even a team that's gotten gone over yet. And I think they're still a little bit overrated in the market. Like last week in, in DFS, I wrote about how uh, I was just, I think you had to go with Russell Wilson over, over Kyler. And that wasn't like hindsight bias. Like I, I, you know, laid all of it out. And it's essentially that it's, it's a total different situation when the Cardinals, you know, are looking good in, in yards per play or whatever metric um, with Kyler Murray, who makes these spectacular plays on the ground. 
but is still for his career a more or less average to below average passer in terms of efficiency. I mean, you know, he'll he'll take a lot of sacks. He will. Uh, he's he's right right around seven yards and under uh, for his career in yards per attempt. Christian Kirk. Uh, don't know if he's going to go yet. That was his top downfield threat at, at 20 yards per average depth of target. And then you're not going to have Andy Isabella score two long touchdowns every week. Uh, they're playing a guy who's well, who probably shouldn't be out there as like a, a glorified tight end in Larry Fitzgerald when they're a team that's not supposed to be playing tight end, using tight ends at all. This, this offense is just not as good as we think it is. The Panthers, uh, they are kind of a, I think they're a smart you know, team that's going to get better. Uh, but they're going to struggle to finish drives as well. Um, so, you know, all of these kind of things, I think, you know, and, and remember, this is now, now that we're getting into these totals, everything's in the 50s. Like now we're starting to see some of these games that really shouldn't be in the 50s, get in the 50s. Because I don't know, I've been getting burned on a lot of these mid-range totals that I just thought were like a point too high. Like, oh, you know, the public thinks these teams are better than they are. But um, what's really been happening is that's been sharp by the books with the penalties and whatnot. Uh, but now you start getting into the range where, it's rare for an NFL game, you know, to, 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 with, with two of the, like two middling teams to get to that level. So um, like the under in Cardinals and Panthers down to uh, 51. Yeah. I don't hate it. I talked about my hesitancy on unders and pulling back on totals, but the one team that's been great with unders still was the team I highlighted coming into the year for unders, the Los Angeles chargers. They are three and O to the under on the year. They're playing a little faster than I thought that they would. Um, but this will be Justin Herbert's first road star, and he's still showing some growing pains. Um, and he's going against a defense, a Tampa defense, that just continues to show that it's legit. Todd Bowles' defense is legit. They can get pressure. They will shut down the run. And they can cover backs out of the backfield, which is really important for the Chargers. On the other side, look, Tampa blew out De- Denver last week. We all know Denver's a mess. And also – the first play, like the first drive of the game, Denver got a punt block inside their five-yard line, and then Tampa Bay scored a touchdown. Tampa Bay is still figuring some things out on offense. I believe Godwin's out, right? He's doubtful. Uh, looks like he's probably going to miss. So, yeah. Yeah, So I, and then that's important because the Chargers, in typical Chargers fashion, have had a ton of injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Harris is now on IR. I know Ingram's also on IR, but, you know, this Chargers defense is still competent enough to hang with a Tampa offense that I still think is not all there, especially without Godwin. And the Tampa defense is legit. I don't see Herbert doing much here. So at BetMGM right now, this totals are 43.5. I played some under 44.5. I'd play anything. I'd play under anything 43 or above. Sticking with the one reliable under team of the year so far, the team I loved unders coming in and the Chargers. Yeah, so I think Tampa Bay is right there. You know, you look up at at, uh, at Tom Brady, and he's doing what he has to do to to get the wins. It's not; it has not been spectacular, but you know, he he's showing that he's not like he's he can he can do things once he gets his full complement of weapons. I think the offense has enough. You know, they they have enough depth at running back that they can handle when when somebody like Fournette gets hurt, and uh, eventually they'll get Godwin and Evans healthy together. You know, I don't know when. Eventually, Evans will catch a pass that is not a touchdown or, or an interception or, or you get targeted for an interception. But uh, until then, you know, Tampa Bay is still uh, very good on defense. I think people need to, to kind of adjust for that. So I actually want to fade the Chargers in this spot. I think, like, we should be a little worried about them. Uh, they're suffering from a ton of injuries. And, and you know, losing to that uh, Panthers team last week, 
but instead of fading the Chargers, I don't like taking, you know, minus sevens. I decided to just roll with the under in this game because I think there's a good chance that, uh, you know, the Bucks can dominate even if they put up some good, you know, offensive numbers that they're not going to – the Chargers aren't going to do much. But I also think there's a really good chance that the Bucs uh, have kind of a quiet day offensively as well. All right, so for our favorite total, I went with Cardinals, Panthers, under 51.5. Stuck went with Chargers, Bucks under 43.5. Both of those at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Up next, our favorite teaser bets of the week. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. So if you're not familiar, sportsbooks give you an additional six points to tease teams up or down. So if you're betting on an eight-point favorite, it becomes a two-point favorite and the same would apply to an underdog. An eight-point underdog becomes a 14-point underdog. So with that being said, Stuck, uh, where are you going for your top teaser play uh, of this week? Yeah, I said it a million times on here that, you know, if you can tease through three and seven, you have an edge over the books as long as you can pay minus 120 or lower. Called Wong Teasers. Um, I've written a bunch of pieces on there. There's not a lot of options this week. I did – Initially teased the Steelers from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half with the Raiders and plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. We don't, we, there's no line on the, the Steelers game. We touched on it earlier. I, just from a math perspective, the Bears from two and a half to eight and a half. And the next closest thing I can get is the Raiders plus three up to plus nine. So I'll go with the Bears. Even though I think the Colts win the game, we talked about it. I think their offensive line can neutralize the Bears front. And the Colts defense is playing really well. And I don't think Foles is any big upgrade. Going from two and a half to eight and a half, do it every time. So I'll go Bears and uh, Raiders. Yeah, this is uh, this is not the, the best week, I think. for you know, There's a couple of these huge favorites that I, I want no piece of the underdog. It's not, it's not late enough in the year for that yet. So uh, I am going to go with the Bucks down to one from seven and – Dolphins to 12 and a half just because I agree it's at six and a half at BetMGM right now and uh, I agree that the Seahawks don't expect them to be winning games by more than one possession so it would get to 12 and a half not my favorite ever teaser but that's what we're rolling with this week so you're uh, crossing seven and ten at least yeah it's it's not a total loss so plus I'm okay with teasing the Bears I don't think Foles is a huge upgrade but at least it's not Mitch Bortles anymore. You mean yeah, I don't think he'll ever start a game again. You've just been Bortled. I can't believe my Bears to win the NFC North, like plus 550 or whatever it is, is not dead yet. Uh, I'm sure it will die in short order. And uh, I, I, do, I do think this is the right time to fade the Bears in general. But uh, I get the, the math for the teaser. It is just two teams that like scare the crap out of me, the, the Colts and the Bears. Uh, you know, don't like betting on Rivers either. But that does it. Stuck has the Bears and the Raiders in his teaser, and I am going with the Dolphins and the Bucks. All right, now let's get into our favorite Moneyline Underdog play of the week. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Like, I can't believe that... Uh, that I'm going to take this team twice here, but the Jaguars, that makes it three times that I've bet them on three different things. So I could go 0-3 against the Jags, but I'm taking them as my money line dog. 
again, I just think this is a toss-up game. They're getting three. I don't even – in real quick, Stuck, we have three weeks of data. You mentioned the penalties. Everything else is kind of where it should be. I love the Jags on the money line at plus 140. I think they have uh, probably a better shot at winning this game than the Bengals. I'm not going to favor them in my power ratings. Like they're about equal. Bengals still at home. But uh, the Jaguars right now have the more efficient quarterback. Um, looks like they're going to get Shark back. And uh, this bank, this Bengals team has been lucky to even be, be in some games. They played some, you know, teams going through it, some rough patches on the other side as well. So uh, just uh, fading the the Bengals. Love my guy Joe Burrow, uh, but uh, I think the Jags as a dog are, are in a good spot here, especially after they let the public down, and or the, I don't know if it was the public, but they kind of had a letdown in like a prime time spot. So I uh, don't think many are going to touch them this week. Uh, for my money line underdog i'm going with the lions we talked about it fade breeze love it um lions are finally healthy i think detroit can easily get this win i mean that's i would have picked them if you hadn't uh i love that let's get into the best of the rest which are the games that we did not cover in any other section and then we'll close it with our survivor pool pick of the week all right first up stuck we're gonna start with your Baltimore Ravens. I'm curious to your thoughts on this game from uh, just a overall kind of betting perspective, but also a Lamar Jackson per- perspective. Uh, I think that the total is, is way too low. I think it was an overreaction. It got all the way down to 45. Uh, I bet it there. It's at 46 and a half at bet MGM. But uh, listen, I think the Chiefs just had a they have what it takes to slow the Ravens down and make them play a way that they don't want to play. And they have the coaching staff to execute it and the quarterback that can make it easier to do that on the other side. The Washington football team has none of these things. Uh, I feel like people are getting are too low on Jackson in fantasy now. And like everyone, like every, like the, the sky is falling. Tell me about this game. Yeah. I mean, last year the Ravens had won 15 regular season games in a row. And it just, just speaks to the overreaction in the NFL. The last game that they lost, if you go back to last year at home, they got demolished by the Browns. Demolished. I mean, like, demolished. The Browns ran for, like, 300 yards and won 40 to 25, and it was – that final score was misleading. And then everything was all right. There's, some days you have off weeks. Some days there's bad mismatches. But – um yeah, this what this line is a tad high, but the, again, the Ravens are you know on a short week, but they're just going up the road. What you know, the interesting matchup in this game is the Ravens' offensive line hasn't been great yet. Um, they're still trying to replace Yonda, and they're going up against a really good defensive line. So, how much can that defensive line neutralize the Ravens' rushing attack and then get to Jackson? What what Baltimore is going to do is they, they'll still find some places to run. They're going to have some opportunities down the field to hit huge plays. So the Redskins are going to have to come up. They're going to play aggressive, and they don't have the corners. I mean, even against the the Chiefs, who have a better defense in the back than than the Ravens. The Ravens still had two or three wide open throws that Jackson didn't make. Jackson's going to have some like to down the seam to Andrews. He's going to have to to Brown. He's going to have a couple deep throws. That'll decide the cover and the total probably if he hits them. Because on the other side of the ball, the Ravens are going to do what they need. I hope they don't do it if they play the Chiefs again. But they're going to blitz. And when you blitz, it doesn't work against Mahomes, but it can really work against Haskins and throw him off his game 
The Redskins don't have a very good offensive line. The Ravens can match up on the outside, and Haskins is obviously not Mahomes. So I don't think the Redskins are going to have much success at all uh, on the offensive side of the ball against what will be an angry Ravens defense. The total and the side will come down to Lamar Jackson, a couple wide-open shots down the field. I tend to think that he'll have a much better game this week. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. It's like that's why I took the totals because no one, no one would even be qualifying like, oh, Lamar Jackson will have a bad game against one – I mean, a big game against one of the worst teams in the National Football League. Like, it's just how we overreact and, and how some people – forecast the NFL there 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 are a lot of people out there that are waiting to there's like three four weeks of data and they're not really using any or they don't you know know how to use any data before before that a lot of times you get one game that happens in week three and it happens to be a terrible offensive game and everyone's freaking out but even even these uh this football team I mean they can create opportunities uh, for the for the opponent just with their sloppy play. I, I think they lead the league in fumbles. Um, if you can get it still at 45, I doubt it. But I, I think it's worth, you know, taking that that over at that spot. Um, I actually had it, you know, above uh, 48. So I, I was four points off. So a rare spot where I was just completely off from the market. Stuck you have it at 47 and a half. All right. Up next, we have another game with pretty much an identical spread. The Rams at home, 13-point favorites against the New York Giants, who could not handle Kyle Shanahan and, and Nick Mullins at home. Now they're going across the country. A part of me says this is probably the right time to bet the Giants. A part of me says, nah. I mean, this, this team is, is just a, a mess. And it's like even when they play well, they, they, they can't necessarily pull out the cover because, you know, they're – the ball's still in Daniel Jones' hands, and, and he's just turning it over way too much. Let's hear it for Danny Dimes. What do you think of this one? Yeah, uh, the line is a tad too high, but do I want to bet this Giants dumpster fire against a Rams offense that's really rolling? I mean, their offense is, McVay has his offense clicking right now, and now they're going to get to go against a Giants defense that can't get pressure and has already a bad secondary now with three or four guys on the injury report mess i don't see how the giants really slow down the rams the giants could cover might come down to a back door because the line's too high i can't bet the rams they're a good money line parlay piece if you want to get something down teaser alert survivor pick great survivor pick but stay away from me from the side next we have the cleveland browns going to dallas to face the dallas cowboys you line the Cowboys favored by four and a half, the total 55 and a half. And this is when I, I mentioned earlier, I was kind of torn between a couple of games. It was that Ravens over, uh, went with the Panthers cards under, but nearly took the Cowboys Browns under. I just look at this game and I see a couple of paths to the under. First of all, it, it's at 56 and a half at some books, currently 55 and a half at bet MGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. But uh, you know, 56 is just that that's like a total for like a, a Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott total. That's not a, a Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott total. You look at the Cowboys, Dave, they, they're they're num- they're way high in pace. I believe they're number one in almost every category uh, except one, which is with them leading in games because they haven't been leading. They've spent almost every minute of every game, uh, you know, tied or trailing. This is so we really haven't gotten to see them outside of these. Fran, you know, these crazy game scripts. It, we saw that they could play a, a lower scoring game in week one against the Rams. And on, on the other side of that, you have 
the Browns with, uh, you know, Stefanski, they ran at the highest rate and were one of the highest rates in the league last year with, with Minnesota. They have, uh, you know, Nick Chubb still there. And I think they'll want to kind of ground the ball a little bit, slow down that Cowboys offense, uh, which is just, you know, doesn't really matter who they're throwing to now. So I, I like the under in this game. Uh, I, I just think it's way too high after the Cowboys had like these, like you couldn't ask for better shootout game scenarios than playing the Falcons, terrible defense, who's of course going to build a huge lead on you and then blow it, give it all up. And then the, uh, the Seahawks who are going to build a big lead or, or just score a lot of points and then give them right back. Yeah. I mean, it's a, the Cowboys are 0 three against the spread. Um, but they could be, and they one and two overall. They could be three and zero. They could be two and one. They could be one and two. All their games are really close and kind of crazy. And it's hard for me to get a read on the Browns. They get blown out at Baltimore. They bounce back. They beat. They pretty much dominate Cincinnati, who gets in that back door. And then they play Washington the next week. Don't be misled by that score. They outscored Washington seventeen nothing in the fourth quarter. Yards per play, yards all equal. Haskins just had three picks. Mayfield didn't have any. If you remove turnovers this year, the Cleveland has the worst performing defense as far as points per drive in the NFL. But now they get Vernon back, they get Greedy Williams back, presumably. How much does that help? We'll see. Because they are going against a really good Dallas uh, offense. There's a lot of injuries on Dallas to keep your eye on. I think it's going to be a good litmus test for the Browns. If I had to bet it, I would probably buy low on the Cowboys here. Because yeah, I still not a, I still think that the Browns are working out some things, but I make the line right around four and a half, so it's a pass for me. And last up, we have Vikings Texans, or maybe we don't have it. Who knows? Uh, situation unfolding with uh, the Tennessee Titans players testing pot. Some players testing positive for uh, COVID, and of course, they played the Vikings last week. So this one is kind of up in the air. But assuming it does take place at some point what are the kind of intangible uh, impacts on this game and what are your thoughts on the game in general football is getting weird yeah probably a pass for me I mean I think that there's some value in the Vikings at now four and a half but there's so much uncertainty with they shut down things for a couple of days there's gonna be lack of prep lack of practice these things we don't see I did mention that you know, these two teams are slower in neutral situations. Minnesota wants to run the ball. And if you think this game's going to be close, you know, you might want to look at the under, although both secondaries and both defenses have been pretty poor. You know, but that, that part of me also wants to, to bet on Houston and buy low here. It's like, I, can I really judge how bad or good they've been? They've played the Ravens, the Chiefs, and then at the Steelers. I mean, that's vicious. But the Vikings secondary will continue to get better, you know, in Gakwe, and they'll get some pieces up in the front. Jefferson looks like he's he's going to be a really good rookie and, and second piece at receiver, which will help. So, you know, this is just probably a stay away for me. A lot of uncertainty. Yeah, the Vikings are they're already up to 19th in DVOA on defense, which is not terrible. I mean, it's not great, obviously. But, you know, part of it is you're playing a Packers team that I think uh, is – better on offense than most of us thought, especially me thought Aaron Rodgers really wasn't going to be able to get it done, but uh, he, he's really kind of stepped his game up and and now you're starting to see the difference with, with him. So uh, yeah, the Vikings are a team. It's just tough to anytime, anytime a team plays the Titans also, it's just tough to get a read on them. Uh, So yeah, this is a stay away game. I would bet the Vikings though. If I was, if I had to pick a side, as much as I want to buy one Houston, uh, they're still a, a painfully, painfully, 
average team and the line is up to like five at, at some books. So it might even get to six depending on what happens. I'm not sure how the, you know, all these events will impact it, but yeah, that's uh it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird one. It's been a weird week. Uh, hopefully everything goes as planned and we don't get any more uh, positive tests or anything like that. Let's get out of here. Let's do our survivor pick. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. Uh, Stuck, who are you going with this week? Uh, I've already mentioned it. Easy one. Rams. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams too, just because they play in that tough division. It's not really a situation where going to want to uh, be on them late in the year. So they're one of those teams I'm fine with burning early. So yeah, going with the Rams here. And that does it for the week four edition of the Action Network NFL podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. And it was a pleasure to do this with you, Stucky. You can find Stuck on the Action Network app and Twitter at Stucky2. And you can find me at Chris Raybon. Be sure to check out the Action Network app to track your bets. Until next week, let's get this money. Let's go. We're finished talking.